What's this podcast called again? This podcast is called... Podcast? Podcast. For Jen and the Film Critic. Jen and the Film Critic, episode three. I keep just introducing you as my film critic. I'm not sure if that's weird. Is that weird? (laughs) I like it. Okay, great, 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 okay. I feel like a court jester. Summon the film critic. The film critic. Welcome to Jen and the Film Critic. My name's Jen, and with me again this week is my film critic, Paul. Say hello, Paul. Good evening, all, if you're listening to it in the evening. I have nothing for you if you're listening to it at any other time. (laughs) This is is an evening podcast to be enjoyed over cognac and uh, Jack Kerouac. No other time of the day exists to me. Only evening. Indeed. My life is evening. We are creatures of the evening. Mm. But not the night, crucially. Because no, my, no, my peak I'm, period I'm stops at about ten thirty. <laughs> yeah, then I'm off to bed. Yeah. And you'll you'll catch me again tomorrow <laughs> evening. Yeah. If you need me, it better be between the hours of six PM and ten PM. Because <laughs> that's the only time I'm really alive. <laughs> and the only time the world is alive with the sound mm. of Jen. Ah <laughs> Haunting. The hills are alive with the sound <laughs> of me. <laughs> There's a dub job in there because her expression would look amazing with that lyric. (laughs) With me. Me. I'm great. (laughs) Take that, Nazis. (laughs) So what have you been watching, Paul? Well, the big film of the week is Scream. It's the uh, fifth sequel Ah! to... Ah! That's uh, a line from the film. I hope um, so. It's a all the, that would be great if all the memorable quotes on IMDb were just ah ah ah, ah, ah. arg oh no <laughs> says one guy oh dear I'm dead oh not again uh, this is the fifth sequel to Wes Craven's 1996 postmodern mm. slasher film yes mm. and uh, the first since 2011 Scream Four or Scraform <laughs> Scr- as it was uh, <laughs> as it was stylized. <laughs> In, in the style of Pump Forstick. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, this installment comes care of Matt Bertinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillett, who, both of whom brought us the excellent Ready or Not back in 2019. Okay. So the story follows a, bun- a, a new batch of teenagers living in Woodsboro mm-hmm. who are stalked and killed off one by one by a new killer donning the ghost face mask, okay. causing various characters from the original films to return. So. We are actually re-watching the Scream movies for the podcast this year. It's our for Halloween episode. One Good Thing. One Good Thing. Mm. Yes. So it's our Halloween episode. So we've only done the first one so far. And I think what struck me about it is, first of all, it hasn't aged as well as the classic slasher films mm. it's parodying. Halloween okay. especially. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's very much of the time of the 90s mm. and has camp value. Mm-hmm but doesn't feel as fresh as it did back then. Right. Uh, unlike these other slasher films, which still retain their sort of starkness and mm. uh, impact. Okay. Secondly, the original Scream is horror comedy. It's okay. interesting, because I remembered it being more horror. Right. But the comedy is the postmodern stuff. It's being right. self-referential, genre-aware, mm-hmm. you know. Although it's surprising that in spite of all the references to the tropes, it does then just do the tropes. <laughs> you know, a character might say out loud, it's ridiculous in horror movies that big breasted women get stalked around a house or that a character is running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. But then that just happens in Scream. 
in the movie <laughs> you're watching. Yeah. So without much insight into why these conventions exist. Okay. Um, or, you know, a sort of twist on them. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, the horror, it does hold up better. And it's because it's this idea that what if the masked killer, the menacing force at the heart of the film, isn't some supernatural boogeyman, but just two assholes from your school? Mm. You know, what if the two angry young men you try not to make eye contact with in the lunch hall actually decide to start killing people? And that's scary. It's Oh, yeah. It prefigures Columbine, in fact, and a lot of sort of adolescent anxieties coming into the 21st century. So that still works kind of well, but it's weirdly at odds with the other sort of lighthearted stuff. And so we get to Scream 5. Mm-hmm. And the horror's just gone. Right. It's been <laughs> okay. abandoned. This is not a scary film, thematically or functionally. Right. Um... The idea of who the killers are is not particularly scary once you do know who they are, partly because all of the kids in this are not people or even movie <laughs> characters. They are machines that rattle off pop culture references. Okay. The dialogue is dreadful. It's really bad to the point where me and uh, Katie, whom I saw it with, were just looking at each other at various points with just wide-eyed astonishment at what we were hearing on some oh, of the no. lines in this film. It's not great. And then functionally, moment by moment, when the film is trying to scare you, it's not succeeding because it's so obvious when and how it's going to try and surprise you. Okay, yeah. There's even a scene where it fakes you out twice on a jump scare. And it's so heavy handed with the music rising and building. And, you know, it's like, yeah, there's not going to be anything there because you're making too much of it. Mm. And it's not. And then on the third time, it's like, oh, this will be the one. And there it is right on cue. Yeah. It's, you know, fair. And the music is very obnoxious in general. And so, without the horror, we're left with the comedy, the meta stuff. And you know, the last two screams have been really good at making me aware of things I didn't realize I was sick of. (laughs) But I am now very definitely sick of meta humor. Right. (laughs) Especially after The Matrix Resurrections. I'm sick of the characters in the movie I'm watching talking about the movie I'm watching. Mm. I'm sick of little references and nods to the franchise. I'm sick of self-awareness. It's been done to death death it was new in 1996 now sincerity would be more of a change of pace <laughs> it's just yeah, oh god just making a fair. straight up slasher film would be revolutionary at this stage <laughs> and in this case the idea is that the characters know that they are in a requel which is ah. what they used to call a soft reboot when i were a lad oh, okay. so it's a sequel but it's also kind of refreshing the franchise mm-hmm. so the legacy characters are here courtney cox um neve campbell david arquette you know they all come back but it's more focused on new characters and there is lip service paid to the idea of getting back to basics which is hilarious <laughs> because if you went from scream one to this or even just watch this new to the franchise you would be completely baffled by right. so much of the stuff that goes on. It is absolutely in love with its own mythology and feels like a fan film. Right. And very much like The Matrix Resurrections, it feels grumpy. It seems mm. resentful that the time for Scream is very much over um, and that the world has moved on to a decade of frankly fantastic horror movies over the past 10 years, mm. um, which are referenced in this film and grouped together as elevated horror. Another phrase I've never heard of before, but suggests that modern horror movies try too hard to make that make a point, a social point or have some sort of commentary in them. Surely that's the most interesting part of horror. Well, indeed, like the Babadook gets mentioned and it's like uh, uh, she the character introduced and it's like, um, you know, what's your favorite scary movie? And she's like the Babadook. It's a really interesting meditation on motherhood and grief. And it's like 
yes, it is those things. But you're missing the point if you think that's why young people like the Babadook. <laughs> because that movie is also scary as fuck. Yeah. And yours isn't. Yeah. So deal with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it also takes a little, you know, just a little cheeky uh, jab at The Last Jedi. Because, okay. you know. Why? Just because, yeah. you know, whilst you're at it, you might as well. Why not? Why not throw your hat in? Yeah, there's a little reference to the fact that it's so dumb. The world within a world of the Scream is that the Scream movies exist within the Scream movies, except they're called Stab. Okay. So the first movie got adapted into a movie called Stab in the second right. film. It's very, very silly. And at this point, they're into the eighth installment of Stab. And there was a reference to the fact that the eighth installment was a massive departure from the franchise and that it was directed by the Knives Out guy. Right, okay. And some, And another character is like, but I really liked how much it departed and all the different things. And someone else is like, yeah, but that is that franchise is somebody's favorite thing. Why would you go and change it? Make your own thing. And it's like, that's a great excuse to just not bother making any more Scream movies. <laughs> well, well put, sir. Yeah. You know, sometimes people are on the edge of the right point. <laughs> they're, sort of, yeah, just... they're veering in the right direction with their argument and they've not yeah. quite come to the correct conclusion. <laughs> Exactly. There's a scene where Neve Campbell is going up the stairs saying to the killers, you know, you might be the most unoriginal one yet. You know, you're even doing this in the same house as the first one. And it's like, dude. Wow. <laughs> I paid money to be here. Yeah. What are you doing? And they put wow. all of this sort of, you know, meta stuff into the mouths of the villains for the most part, who mm. are in this solely motivated by the fact that they are fans of the original and, okay. you know, toxic fans by our standards. Mm. Does that mean that this movie has a point to make about toxic fan bases? Something that's become really problematic in modern mm. film commentary? Well, they're the bad guys and the heroes kill them eventually, so... We should probably repeat- do that too. <laughs> we should probably do that too, absolutely. It's a good vindication of killing internet trolls. <laughs> yeah. But I don't. nobody ever meaningfully repudiates them, which gives the impression that the writers broadly agree with the arguments they're no. making. Okay. Um but, you know, they've, the killers have just gone too far because they've started killing people, you know. But up until that point, they were dead on. And as ridiculous as it seems for me to request that the final conflict be broken up by having characters say, actually, the Babadook's really good for these reasons. <laughs> it's no less ridiculous by the fact that the killers in this movie are solely motivated by getting the franchise back on track. Okay. I don't know. It's just... Uh, which I don't Incidentally, getting back on track, I don't think this film is going to do that for the Scream franchise. And I'm worried because... Some other critics have seemingly liked this film, which baffles me. Mm. And it seems to be underperforming, but may end up resulting in another sequel. And I just yeah. don't want it to at this stage. This the franchise, the franchise was important. Let the past die. Kill mm. it if you have to. And, <laughs> you know, it was important. It changed things. But now it's just exhausting and, and really struggling to try and freshen up this formula. Ugh. Having said that, Mm-hmm. There are two very effectively sinister sequences, and it's bad in a way that does keep it broadly engaging to keep watching. Okay, it's not boring. No. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the two stars. Two stars bit out of, a, of five. Bit of a trudge, but it's it doesn't. It's weird. I'm trying to think of what the one star films are. I really am waiting for like a Jack and Jill to yeah. come along to give out the one star. And Scream is no Jack and Jill. Don't wish it on yourself, Paul. <laughs> there <laughs> are reasons count. to live, Paul. <laughs> oh God. That'll be yeah. when I really yeah. experience the real thin end of this podcast. Life's just getting too good, you know. I've got to <laughs> wish for a Jack and Jill. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, God. Adam Sandler seems to have retreated to the relative safety and obscurity of Netflix, so I don't yeah. think he'll be returning to the uh, oh, the goodness. cinema anytime soon. There is a God. Uh, yeah, if you could just lock him behind some sort of um, <laughs> a wall that you have to like type in a code to unlock the Sandler content on a Netflix, paywall. that would... Yeah. <laughs> Pay extra for this shit. Actually, <laughs> if you yeah. unlock the Adam Sandler content, yeah, your Netflix is actually less expensive. <laughs> it knocks a pound off yeah. a month. Still very few takers. Oh. <laughs> I'd just rather it didn't show up. Yeah. Okay, well, I was never going to watch it in the first place. I've never seen a Scream <laughs> film. I've also right. never seen any of the horrors that it was ripping off and not, you know, parodying yeah. in the first place. Yeah. So I was never going to be its target market. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not going <laughs> well, to start even, with this one. Even if you were, and even if you were in the Scream fan base, I don't know. I imagine fans are actually going to like it quite a bit because, like I say, it's so referential to itself and so reverent to the original film mm. that I, I, I think, and it has just enough sort of stalk and kill sequences, unlike The Matrix Resurrections, <laughs> which failed to deliver on, you know, what the core thing was, which was good action. Okay. That I think enough people are probably going to like it. But yeah. Okay. I think it'll be very frustrating to general audiences. Fair enough. So good for yeah. fans, probably rubbish for everyone else. Yeah, just okay. like everyone wanted Star Wars to be. Yay. Yay. We're going to lose so many listeners through my constant <laughs> my constant loyalty to the This is the hill you're going to die on. I'm I joining have you. I really fucking colours to the mast. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. I thought it was great. That's good. I don't want to have to dislike The Mandalorian as a result, but I feel I ought to. I've not actually watched it. No, I haven't seen it either. I've heard it's fun. I've heard it's perfectly good fun and that I should watch it, but there are battle lines drawn here, Jen. (laughs) Thou shall not cross. I didn't realise the Mandalorian had been drawn into the fight, but yeah, it had. Well, it, it was because it portrayed Luke in a certain way, which was basically extremely opposite to how Luke is portrayed in The Last Jedi. And so it has become the sort of focal point of this two oh, halves of the fan base. It's so dumb recounting this. It makes me feel like just the <laughs> biggest idiot talking about all this. Yeah. It's just, and, and that's why it's super important that uh, that we don't we don't like The Mandalorian. But so. these, look, these things matter <laughs> to people, I guess. They do. I think they matter to me. Isn't that upsetting? Yeah. I wish it didn't. We've all got a cause. Is this why people have kids? <laughs> so they can stop so. worrying about this kind of shit. <laughs> Instead, you start worrying about Peppa Pig. Oh, no. <laughs> they really fucking ripped. They lost track of the franchise in oh, Peppa gosh. Pig 3. Yeah. Peppa starts doing some dodgy stuff. <laughs> they really lost the characterization of Papa Pig in that one. Papa Pig. Have you seen anything else? Yes. yes? Fortunately, yes. And Good. thank God that we have a Pedro Almodovar film to talk Ooh, about. Oh, we do. Okay. We do. We have Parallel Mothers. Mm. Um, I very helpfully for myself put the Spanish in brackets afterwards, just in case I wanted to have go a on. go. Ma- Madre uh, pare- Paralelas? Madres Paralelas. That sounds good. Si. I'll go with that. Let's go. <laughs> tell you what, let's go with your one. Uh-huh. I mean, either or. <laughs> His first film since uh, Dolore Gloria. Uh, yeah, that was Dolor. Yeah, Pain and Glory, right? Yeah, Pain and Glory, mm. uh, which was easily one of my favourite films of 2019. Yeah, it was great. An ex- extraordinary year for film anyway mm. um and this film is likely to rank similarly highly great um it's the story of two mothers two parallel parallel mothers mothers um two similarly lengthwise mothers <laughs> who share a room okay together when they are giving birth mm. uh just then they just they give birth you know stay in the same ward together and they become friends but more like acquaintances okay. they don't really keep up the contact uh, until the relationship takes on renewed importance for one of the women, Janice, played by Penelope Cruz. Oh. 
uh, when she comes to suspect that the hospital may have accidentally given them each other's <sighs> babies. Baby swap. Baby swap. Oh no. Uh oh, it happens sometimes, I imagine. Yeah. But the kids, they all look the same as the thing. As babies, is that, yeah, pretty much. Is that is that baby racist? <laughs> <laughs> I'm baby blind. <laughs> it's absolutely a beautiful thing. All babies are equally annoying to me. <laughs> but <laughs> I prefer Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. But does she have the nerve to tell the other mother, Anna, played by Melina Smith? Mm. And uh, does she actually want to at this stage? A lot of issues going on like you know is your child the child that you ha- that has your flesh blood and bone or is it the one that you have raised and lived with and bonded with that's yeah very curious and it's a lot of very complex emotions and it has a very soap opery <laughs> op opera e <laughs> plot um that can be fairly typical of alba Devine, mm. whose films often sound like melodrama yeah but anyone familiar with his style mm. will know that this is Far less interested in sort of twists of the plot and drama and for, far more interested in the lives that get caught up in the mess mm. and the sort of rhythm of their lives as we as they live them. And it's a character-driven drama that is painfully earnest in its depiction of motherhood mm. and family. Um, both women are trying to do what's best for their children and avoid the mistakes in their past. Um, and as they become more entangled with each other, their empathy sort of grows and the impossibility of you know any kind of meaningful d- decision uh just becomes even stronger mm-hmm. um penelope cruz is the standout here she's, oh, she's just great. amazing as janice she is great she's she so that good f- in things she is <laughs> hey <laughs> she had that she's so good in things she's so good in things she um she's in things oh god oh no no um... not not things not that <laughs> things <laughs> canadian what can, what 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 is it can exploitation can exploitation delight delight yeah from the i have <laughs> no idea when it's from i actually have no uh, idea 80. when the... 80s? We don't know enough about things. Let's talk about things No, another point. <laughs> Back on topic. I refuse. <laughs> Back on to talk to about this strange little film. <laughs> God, thought. I can't believe I got us onto things. Mm. But um, Penelope yes, Cruz had that... Mm. She had that unfortunate little stint in American cinema where I feel like mm. she didn't find the right projects. But, I mean, whenever she works with Alma Devar, she's just she unbelievable. Really um, She's incredible here. Just so much... I just, she's just torn apart by the dilemma and the heartbreak mm. and also just so full of life is just uh it, it, you really get a sense of her as a character and um of the things that she wants and yeah she's cool. very endearing as well and at the same time as this janice is trying to convince the father of her child a forensic archaeologist named arturo arturo played by israel Ooh, what are you gonna do with a j in spanish <laughs> uh e-l-e-j-a-l-d-e elejalde 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 my mouth is too dry. <laughs> <laughs> Played by himself to yep. excavate a uh, mass grave near her hometown. So that had a okay. much bleaker end to the sentence than our playful. Oh dear, yeah. <laughs> it's from a while ago. Okay. Her, um, uh, Cruz's grandmother, grandfather and other men from the village were executed mm. there during the Spanish Civil uh-huh. War. Uh, and there's this ever-present sense of the past unresolved mm. and of lives continuing long after trauma and also of the interconnectedness you know, of stories across generations that's really, really compelling. And it's just the style of Alma Devar. It's the mm. gorgeous colours, the prominent red and yellows, and the crisp clarity and beautiful focus that everything's in. And the way he focuses on interiors and layout mm. makes you feel as though you're inhabiting these spaces that he puts up there. And, you know, no matter how dramatic and claustrophobic the story is becoming, you just want to spend more time here in this world 
with these characters. It just feels so fresh and vibrant. So, cool. yeah, I mean, that's getting all, all five stars. It's Great. one of my favorite films of 2021, of which we are finally running out. And uh-huh. um, I should say, actually, that Scream, I think, is my first 2022 film review. So, yeah. Okay. Yay. Yay. It's the year be a good year. <laughs> Thank God for Parallel Mothers. It's fabulous. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Very nice. I would definitely watch that. I'll say yeah. that right now. Uh, it took me a while, despite being a student of Spanish, it took me a while to start oh. watching Almodovar films. Oh. But um, they are Almodovar. I don't know how to pronounce Almodovar. that. <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> There's a stress I... somewhere. Um... I think I only became aware of him when he did a, a slight, such as my myopic viewing habits. He did a little uh, foray into horror with the skin I live in. Oh, um, yes. with That's got Banderas in, right? Yes. Mm. Yes, it has. Um, and really loved that, but then didn't explore his sort of earlier 90s stuff, no. you know, and, and the rest of it. So there's still a lot of catching up to do there, but my God, does he make great stuff now? Yeah, he makes some very interesting films. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just, they just sort of happen and you just get drawn into them and you sort of just go along yeah. with these lives that feel very real. Yeah, that's it. It's like I'm remembering this movie like spending time with people I now know. Mm. You know, it's just... When to rewatch it would be going back to their homes and sort of seeing them again, and it's yeah. just a it's just a joyful thing. No matter how serious the sort of subject matter becomes, it's still just a really welcoming kind of environment. Great. So next film, next <sighs> film. The new film from Thai filmmaker Apichapong Varisa Fakul is, I think, still best known for his experimental 2010 film Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives. Uh, which was a film that was described as being beautiful but very inaccessible to Westerners due to its heavy reliance on spiritual concepts that were familiar and normal to Thai people, but very different to our own concepts of death, the afterlife, and spirituality. So, you know, a a ghost will show up and join them all at dinner, and the characters do not act in the same way that a European, you know, (laughs) or, uh, like, characters in a European drama would. It's interesting and it's fascinating and really absorbing and f- mm. and Memoria definitely follows suit. Uh, we ostensibly have Jessica, who is played by Tilda Swinton, ah. and she is living in Colombia, mm-hmm. running a gardening business when she becomes obsessed with a sound that she keeps hearing. Mm. Uh, she describes it as being like a giant concrete ball falling into a metal well. Okay. Um, and you hear it on the soundtrack. It sort of <laughs> kind of comes in okay. every so often, interrupting her life. Um, and the sound starts to affect her life and she tries to investigate its origins. Interesting. Take the movie you have subsequently imagined from that premise <laughs> and slow it down by 50%. Right. And make it far more mysterious and menacing. Okay. We have long stretches of time where, following Jessica around uh, Medellin. Uh, or Medellin. I heard that was pronounced. Is the it capital Columbia? Columbia. Yeah, double L. And I was Medellin? Told. I was heard it, was it depends Medellin. on uh, Colum- Colombian Spanish. Colombian Spanish. Sometimes that double L comes out. It's, it's a yus sound, but sometimes it can come out so strong it's like a just sound. Oh, uh, okay. It might be that. Um, Medellin. I'd say Medellin. 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 That, that's funny because I watched a video and it said in Spanish Spanish, this would be pronounced pretty much exactly as you said. And then in Colombian Spanish. Yeah, it could be. It did have a Medellin. super. Medellin. I think it did. Medellin. 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 This is my terrible. I don't know much about Colombian <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> Look, we all Look. we are all lacking in our knowledge of the Colombian Spanish, and I feel like that's something our audience need to accept about us. Mm-hmm. Um, I am prepared to change, though. So <laughs> I'm not. That's why she's living there, and she's experiencing its street life and little ex- eccentricities of the city. And 
it seems to be a film about hypersensitivity because she keeps mm. becoming kind of overwhelmed by everything that's going on around her, but in this really melodic, serene way that is never, that is, you know, never over, um, overly dramatic and mm. is always beguiling and very mysterious. You know, it's a film about memory and belonging and mysticism. Okay. And so many of the scenes were just with her on her own, with Tilda Swinton, in a really incredible performance as we just sort of explore the spaces. You know, there's dialogue sequences where she goes and meets with people, but even those have this sort of mysterious, detached quality to them. And, um, yeah, a sense of the sort of menace. There's a weird menace going around, too. There's something like, it's kind of like she's being haunted in this way, but mm. by a very ambiguous presence. Um, and it's gorgeous, just beautifully filmed. Um cool incredible impressions of columbia that perhaps we've not seen on screen before although if you saw monos then you may have a better sense of just how cinematic that landscape can be Mm -hmm. those landscapes um yeah i don't want to say too much on it because putting it all in words would be a disservice to what is a very visual and very sonic experience right um very ethereal uh tilda swinton roots the whole thing in Mm. a quiet but profound experience that means you never lose track of the humanity of sort of her experience of it all. It never gets too abstract. And yeah, I think I'm giving it a five. I look cool. forward to revisiting and experiencing it again because it's just a, it's like a soundscape. It's just like, you know, more than anything else, I just look forward to the idea of revisiting the spaces that this movie invites you to inhabit. Mm. And I think it's one of those films where it's just going to keep more stuff coming to the surface each time you look at it. Cool. Sounds interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. That's definitely the word. I know that the audience <laughs> I saw it with were perplexed. right (laughs) there was a lot of in particular something Mm. happens at the end which i think is going to actually prove to be quite controversial people who were enjoying the sort of meditative uh weirdness of it are going to resent the quirkiness of its ending right and people who are trying to piece it together might feel that it's a bit of a cop-out so i'll be curious to see how that ending lands in the long run right fair (laughs) it's another one i remember seeing on the london film festival program oh was it there it was interesting uh, and i didn't highlight it because oh. i wasn't sure mm. i uh thought it might be just a bit odd <laughs> <laughs> it was look it's very odd okay it's not one to show up and expect a kind of narrative that's going to present itself to you nor should you see it as sort of an intellectual challenge it's like a meditative experience in many ways um and it's very long very slow mm. um yeah, so I go in forewarned about this one, but I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, if you've enjoyed it, then I might give it. A, I would consider giving it a go. Yeah, you got but half an afternoon free. Half an afternoon? How long is this? It's two hours, 20 minutes. Or so. Yeah. That does reduce my chances <laughs> seeing this. It's fair, but it's really enjoyable. I Actually, I would more recommend Uncle Boon Me Who Can Recall His Past Lives, because that one was more weird more compellingly sort of out there that sounds think, interesting yeah. just the anyone title likes... sounds interesting <laughs> it's a really good title isn't it um but yeah anyone who likes their mystery to be a little slower more methodical mm. Mm. atmospheric <gasps> Ooh. absolutely Penelope Cruz. there's a word that kept getting say- <laughs> said during <laughs> i've seen a couple of spanish language things recently mm-hmm. and the word for of course is it something like claro claro Claro. Claro. Yes, like that... clear. Claro. I... Oh, right. Mm. Yeah, that really stood out a bunch of times that I saw things. Penelope Cruz just saying, yeah. claro. Si, sí, claro, claro. <laughs> yeah, it's a very useful word. <laughs> it's It seems so. Mm. Handy. Handy. Okay. And that's Jen's Spanish Corner. <laughs> Regular segment. We yeah. need a jingle. Ding, 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 ding. 
Spanish. <laughs> Perfect. So where's your next film from? Icelandic? No. <laughs> it's from right here in Blighty is the Yay. next film. Yay. Stuff we can pronounce. It's The Souvenir Part 2. Uh-huh. Um, another amazing film, which is good because I feel bad about what's coming up next. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah. The Souvenir Part 2 is Joanna Hogg's sequel to her 2019 film, The Souvenir. Okay. Which was a vaguely autobiographical... Autobi- oh, fuck. You see? Even in English. <laughs> Even in English, cocky. you got it was cocky. Was a vaguely Archetapung Ar- Ar- uh, account <laughs> of um, a vaguely autobiographical account of dis- a disastrous relationship that she herself had during film school, um, but with some sort of fanciful twists. Her sort of avatar is Julie, played by Honor Swinton Byrne, whose mother Tilda Swinton is mm. um, also in the movie, playing her mother Rosalind. Uh, Julie returns in this film, and without spoiling anything, uh, which is going to be very hard during this mm. review because the whole movie is basically about what happens in the first movie but she yeah. is she's processing that okay. um and she has decided and actually she is deciding in quite a meta way how she can and whether she should use her experience from the first film in her filmmaking so essentially oh, she's kind of deciding whether or not to make the souvenir right um it's, it's see just when i think i'm sick of meta something does it well and i'm suddenly back involved because don't you ever actually... forget 22 jump street oh i love 22 jump street <laughs> me too that one does it just right <laughs> that okay so 22 jump street's gonna have to recalibrate the number of stars they give the souvenir part two because it's not that good okay but <laughs> no because it's the ideas she's grappling right, with yeah. she's grappling with you know is it appropriate for me to make a movie this autobiographical about a real experience i had you know am i just mm. mining real suffering for content here or am i yeah. do i actually have something to say about it or is this just you know is this just sort of masturbatory what i'm doing so yeah. you know self-indulgent that's really interesting to yeah, see very interesting. that kind of uh, struggle realized on screen it feels very personal and very meaningful in a way that you know scream just didn't in some way <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god the nature of the thing means that i don't want to say too much about it because okay. i think this is going to make a beautiful double feature with the first part dealing with a bad relationship and its consequences. Mm. Um, but what's excellent about the second part is that after recounting the relationship in part one, try not to spoil this, there's nowhere to go but inwards. Mm. This is much more of a reflective film about her experience and her struggle. Mm. There's not much in the way of new information to impart, so it's just kind of her moving through moods as we try and discern meaning at the same time that she does. She's as mm. un- unsure as to you know what this should all mean as you know perhaps we are. Um, and it's all about fiction and reality and how the two affect each other and the purpose of fiction and the purpose of memory, you mm-hmm. know, the importance of keeping hold of things that hurt us and what we should do with that and how we should process it. Um, the style is gorgeous. It's more playful than the last film. And I think it's funnier as well. It's funnier in general. And in particular, her parents are amazing. Mm. Um, but also, I think everyone's going to gravitate towards the fact that uh, Richard Ayuardi is back Ooh. in this film. Making a brief appearance in the first one is just a fellow student at the film school, I think. Okay. And he's just a bit of a dick. <laughs> and his whole thing is just being a bit of an up himself kind of artist mm. type. Um, and in this film, he returns and is more prominent because he is making a film with a big, with a bigger budget. And Honor Swinton Byrne is sort of her character is just around him. Okay. And yeah, it has some wonderful moments of him sort of having hissy fits in the editing booth and being <laughs> the prima donna. And it's apparently according to Joanna Hogg, he improvised quite a bit of it. And nice. It's, yeah, it shows he's very That's good. Fun. <laughs> 
so yeah that's excellent and yeah it's as truthful and arresting as the first film was but with some really rewarding risks mm. i think it's authentic to hog's style but also sees her world expanding which is very exciting and i'm looking forward to seeing where she goes next now that she's you know moved into a slightly more flamboyant style of, uh, okay. of filmmaking um so yeah it's gonna get all five stars again it's Great. just again it's one of my favorite films of 2021 and uh, you see at this time of year we're just getting like all the stuff that they yeah. kept back for oscar consideration mm-hmm. so yeah. you get a lot of really big five-star dudes in the early part of the year it's jack and jill all summer though so let's just enjoy it whilst it lasts <laughs> does this mean that you'd give 22 jumps to six stars out of five <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah. i guess it's my highest rated film i've ever the perfect seen. film i think it is better than perfect i think it redefines the form <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen that film since i saw it in cinemas but i just remember having the best time watching oh it. so good it's so good i've rewatched it. it's yeah. very good <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very good mm. really like channing tatum Thanks i love him I've yeah. always loved him. There's always been something to him where he's got this sort of self-awareness to him. Yeah. Where even when he was sort of playing the sort of just jock kind of type. Well, I don't think he has ever played just the jock type. There's he... always a sensitivity there. I knew him first from Step Up because I loved that film. Oh, yes. Yeah. When did that come out? 2010 <laughs> or something earlier than that? I think Magic Mike was where I became aware oh. of the Oh, that was m- many years later. But yeah. in the original one, he's like younger and... He's just playing like, you know, like a guy who can dance real good. But he has the romance with the lead. So, you know, Uh and back then it was like, yeah, he's cool. But mostly he's obviously just a really great dancer. And then it turns out he was one of those people who could also act really quite well. (laughs) (laughs) He's very funny. (laughs) He he moves good. He moves very good. He moves very good. And he also showed that in um, Hail Caesar. He does yes, his, uh, yes. his big musical number. Oh, I think if you cast Channing Tatum in your film and you don't give him some fun movement <laughs> to do, you're wasting yeah. him. Oh, God. Yeah. In some respect, just give him a small... Just like, move a bit. <laughs> just give him a stage. Just just three steps and you're done. A step will change and then it's cut. Next scene. He will find a way to make it the most memorable part of the film. Mm. Okay, yeah. So uh, what's the next one? Give me a next one. I'll give you a next one. And we have Belfast. 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 Now, this is Kenneth Branagh, Mr. Branagh, who is trying to atone, I think, for Artemis Fowl. Mm. And he set his eyes on a much more sentimental film about his, ostensibly, his childhood in Belfast. And we follow Buddy, who's played by Jude Hill, a young boy growing up in a mixed Catholic and Protestant neighbourhood during the Troubles. And his Mm -hmm. father is played by Mr. Shades of Grey himself, Jamie Dornan. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he works in England, so he's not around much, and he feels detached from the community um, and is being that is being torn apart by sectarian violence, and he wants to move the family away. But his mother, who's played by, uh-oh, uh, Catriona, B-A-L-F-E. Katrina? Spelt Catriona. The the person I knew who had that spelling of their name pronounced uh, it Katrina, but she wasn't, okay. she didn't have an Irish accent, so hmm. I thought it was Maybe Katrina. Maybe Katrina Balfe. <laughs> We need. I need to do way more research on how to pronounce names before <laughs> we start talking about these films from lofty places like Ireland. Yes, <laughs> um, and she does. Nor- she does Northern Ireland as well, so part of the same <laughs> state. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, Technically, not a different country, not- but in many ways, 
many ways. Definitely is. Um, but yeah, he doesn't. Uh, she doesn't want to leave Belfast. She's got roots here. She's got you know a Judy Dench here. She can't just pack that all up and leave. So the film is doing quite well critically and seems pipped for award success. Okay. Uh, which is a little frustrating for me because I have to say I really didn't like Belfast. Mm. It's incredibly unsubtle. Okay. We start with an establishing shot of the modern day city of you know Belfast with an American blues soundtrack so generic you would swear Matthew McConaughey or Jennifer Lopez were about to manifest on screen. Okay. Um, instead, we arrive at an old picket fence and we pan over it into a black and white landscape of Belfast's past where everybody gets along famously. Children play in the streets and neighbours know each other's names and are in and out of each other's houses. No. and Oh, everything's lovely. It's like a chocolate box. Until the troubles arrive. And when I say oh, arrive, I mean, they, they literally arrive at the neighbourhood. It's all outside. It uh-huh. was one gang of bad lads who kept coming round the mm-hmm. troubles. It were neighbour against neighbour. No, it was mainly your man, Billy Clanton, played by with sneering evil by Colin Morgan who's only miss- missing a mustache to twirl. Okay. And he comes around and perpetuates all of the sectarian violence there right. was during the 70s. The The film is caught somewhere between Ireland's equivalent to Alfonso Cuaron's superlative Roma, which okay. is just a stunning tribute to the city he grew up in. And mm. it's obviously, this is leaning heavily on that. It also wants to be a family-friendly Angela's Ashes. Okay. Um, or... It wants to be one of those blandly entertaining films that your mum loves. Mm. Like the Guernsey Literary and Potato Pie uh, Peel Potato Pie, pie Society. Peel, peel, <laughs> Potato Guernsey Pie Peel. Potato Pie Peel. Whatever Pie Peel. Guernsey Literary <laughs> Pie Peel. Potatoes. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Yeah. And, or Finding Your Feet. You know, anything with Joanna Lumley in it. And, yeah. you know, nothing against those films, but they're very twee and very safe and don't quite fit in with Angela's Ashes. No. The consequence is something that. Oh, it, the consequence is that something very serious or dramatic will happen, and then a joke or a bit of twee character completely robs it of its impact. Oh, okay. In a in a way that does feel very British. <laughs> you know, it would be like if in Schindler's List that guy get you know <laughs> the 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 Nazis shoot that guy in the head, and then suddenly a woman leans out the window and is like, "You best not do that round here." Yeah. And throws a potato at him or something. It's just potato peels it's, pie society potato it, peel it, it, <laughs> peels. <laughs> <laughs> throws the concept of that movie at him and i don't know it's just uh, so much of the movie is designed to make you go oh no which is at odds with a film where a family might be dragged from their homes and sort of beaten in the streets for being the wrong religion you can make this material funny and witty and warm and you know warm and affecting as evidenced by angela's ashes which i think is actually all of those things but um you know it's a movie that features a really depressing portrayal of like alcoholism Mm. in you know, an Irish community, but also has a young boy. What is it he's doing? I think he's masturbating in the fields behind a cow <laughs> or something, and he feels horrendously guilty about it. It's mm. I haven't seen that in a while, but it's ugh, I remember it feeling more vibrant and real and authentic than this. And, yeah. ugh, it, it, it's it's a shame because Branagh is just too much the family film guy now. Mm. He's too safe and. Yeah. The characters aren't very distinct and feel quite cliched. Okay. The men are all drinkers and rogues and cheeky chaps who mm. are amusingly henpecked by their women and their mars. Mm. You know, the the women are all quick tempered but with good hearts. Okay, you know, and yeah. you just you feel like you might forget which house and family was yours on this street <laughs> and just walk into whichever one has the suitable slot for you. 
Ah, like, they loved each other so much that it wouldn't have <laughs> mattered, Paul. Not... Hello, do you have your eldest daughter who's starting to get interested in boys and gives her younger brother a hard time but loves him really? Yeah. Yes, dear. Try two doors down. Ah, oh, back, cheers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... And I don't want to be I don't want to be all negative. Jude Hill, the young actor at the heart of the film, does a really good job in the role. Um, Judy Dench and Kieran Hines playing the grandparents mm. are really great together. They have this chemistry that just speaks to oh, a nice. lifetime that they've both shared together, and that's lovely. Um, some of the photography is nice, although painfully bland compared to Roma. But mm. that's where on yeah. you know you can't match him for camera work, and. The dilemma of whether or not they should up and leave their homes is good when the movie remembers to be about that. Okay. It's Oh, it just felt too broad to me to be very sincere. You can actually feel Branner's cynical blockbuster calculations at play. Mm. And I feel like, you know, <laughs> this is going to be the, the most contentious part of this review. I feel like I could have written a story about a childhood during the Troubles in Ireland <laughs> with an equal, an equal level of insight right. to this film. Yeah. Like, there's nothing in there that's like, oh, well, oh maybe one bit where... The little boy wants to dress up as um, uh, for for Christmas. He gets a Thunderbird outfit. Okay, and that was cute. It's it's hard to sometimes compare the fact that you know pop culture was going on at the same time mm. as this incredibly bleak story about you know about sort of violence in Northern Ireland between communities and yeah. you know that's a little bit of insight there. And it's nice that it's not all bleak. You know that there yeah. are moments of levity. It just I don't know the 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 moments of the threat of the movie just felt seriously undermined. It was okay too broad to be very sincere sure and um yeah it's i'm actually gonna give it two stars which i feel wow. shitty about okay. but i just got very little from it and i just don't necessarily want to see it again it's a tight that's fine that's oh, why God, I have, that's a... why we have more than one film critic isn't it not on this podcast no uh, absolutely wait definitely you promise right oh yeah You'd never... i'm not sure if we quite promised i think that's a that... strong word but is that... is that peter bradshaw in the corner no does he have to scuttle off <laughs> Bradshaw. He's a Pokemon. He's a Pokemon, and I love it. And I love him, as does the nation. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, I have to qualify. This might just be subjective to me. Yeah, this it's one. Fine. Sometimes I feel very strongly mm-hmm. about these things. And I'm like, no, if you like this, you're wrong. But no, I, I can definitely see how people would enjoy. I almost said take an end by. <laughs> I, I can see how people would like Belfast, but I'm. I'm almost upset that I just couldn't join those ranks. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Find it twee. Fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, yeah. There's a time and place for twee, like a on a Sunday afternoon, the sun on Boxing yeah, Day. Yeah, it's, it's when... definitely a Sunday afternoon during yeah. the day as well. You don't want to move, the fire's on, you're comfortable, and you're like, ah, let's yeah. watch this. Yeah. Maybe yeah. whilst also quietly playing a game of Scrabble. <laughs> Yeah. You don't have to be quiet. The movie, yell, the movie will yell at you. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Fair. Yeah, no, I, it wasn't, I, would, I wasn't particularly interested in seeing this mm. one. Um, yeah. Which is why I value your opinions. Yay. Thank you. Except for horror, get out of here. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> okay, next film. <laughs> okay, the 355. Okay. During the filming of the terrible X-Men movie Dark Phoenix, Jessica Chastain pitched to the director Simon Kinsberg a movie in the mold of Mission Impossible or James Bond that featured a group of female-led leads okay. you know, from different agencies. A very interesting idea with a lot of potential for no, fun. fun. Unfortunately, she pitched it to Simon Kinsberg, okay. a man who seems to make every project he's associated with worse the more he is involved with it. Oh. If you just look through his CV, the movies that he has only produced are good, right. and then 
when he tries to write or direct them, things tend to go a bit wrong. Such as? Oh, um, well, he made the worst X-Men movies. He made Apocalypse and, you know, directed Dark Phoenix. He did, to be fair to him, write Days of Future Past, which I thought was was very good. Very good. I really liked that film. Um, But yes, he goes away with the screenwriter of Feminist Triumph Catwoman. (laughs) Um, Wait, original Catwoman? Yeah, Halle Berry Berry Catwoman. Okay. Um, (laughs) And they produced... Perfect. You see, that's why I can't do Spanish. Mm. or be a cat person <laughs> damn it my two dreams crushed oh god they need to cast antonio banderas as Catwoman. it all makes sense i'd watch that oh my god I'd I'd, watch i would that. watch that jesus christ i'd watch the shit Jeez. out of it so yeah we get this the 355 so a very important and significant hard drive has been stolen and now operatives from various agencies want to get it back mm-hmm. um the plot was actually a little tricky to follow at first okay and that led me down a bit of a rabbit hole of, huh, why is it I get involved in complicated plots like in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but I'm so uninvolved by this? Is it the characters or the world? And little did I realize that none of this was going to be important after the first act. <laughs> and essentially the complex plot was not in order to grow this world or create a sense of right. inescapable web of espionage, but rather just a clumsy way of bringing these characters together because they do all work for a separate agency. Um, consequently you know you have to get all of the agencies involved in order Mm -hmm. for them to meet up so yeah and then after that first act we have a a ocean style heist movie Mm -hmm. and watching this i was just thinking it must actually be pretty easy to foil one of those ocean heist (laughs) schemes just look for the very attractive person in your auction or your casino or whatever it is you're doing (laughs) who is striding across the room in a very attention-grabbing outfit, seemingly talking to him or Sir Elf herself. Oh, yeah. Whilst also <laughs> smiling like they've definitely just robbed this place. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Listen out in particular for anyone mumbling, you son of a bitch. 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 So, you decided to join the party. Oh, he it's him. He's stealing everything <laughs> somehow. Arrest, arrest him at once. <laughs> Quick, uh, then it- open all the boxes. He's hidden someone in one of them. <laughs> look out for any tiny people who might be bent up in any of yeah. these boxes someone's climbing yeah. out of something <laughs> check the vents <laughs> listen for any look for any ear pieces because yeah. those aren't as subtle as people like to make no, look they're in not. movies you can usually tell when someone's got a big bit of stuff in their ear yeah Ugh. then it goes back to being a very bland born alike um, okay. and it's a shame because the cast is great mm. and often I've literally never heard the best of parts of the film no worries it's um, Penelope Cruz again ooh uh quite the double feature and um she's actually a mum again and she's also a civilian so she's not one of the agency action women she's kind of just the heart of the film she gets passed around and she's worried about her family here you go it's your turn to have the penelope (laughs) i thought it was your turn with penelope i've got plans tonight oh god (laughs) claro she's (laughs) she is also a pokemon um (laughs) she's the She's the vulnerable bit of the film, okay. and, you know, she's very good. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o oh, yeah. is the sometimes wisecracking Brit who runs the computers. And oh, you've got to have wisecracks. Yeah, you know, she's essentially the Don Cheadle of this one, but yeah. her accent is much, much more convincing. I think it's her own. <laughs> I don't think it could be worse. <laughs> she's very charming. I like her. Cool. I really like Diane Kruger, who ah. is the hard, hard bit kind of crazy one, Ooh. who's, like, tough. She yeah. just her, she's very root one. If there's a problem, she runs at it and pushes it over. Okay. Um, and she's the one who looks the best when she's doing the fighting and mm. the shooting. Uh, we've got Fan Bingbing, uh, who is here as the agent from the Ministry of State Security in China. And funnily enough, that one that one doesn't get all that much criticism in this feature, mm. unlike all of the others. Funny yeah, about that. CIA sometimes dubious, but 
Ministry of, of State Security of China. They're usually fine. on the right side, I think you'll find. Yeah, I think we so. We play our movie in China. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sad uh, when you see... It is, it is sad. That is that. When you it see is. a film and you realise... Oh, oh yeah. I guess you I mean, do I, have to make money in China, don't you? I like Fan Bingbing. I don't think I've seen her since... Um, uh, Days of Future Past. She must have been in other stuff, but mm. in general, I quite like her. But I always worry that the state isn't letting her do um, a full performance because you're representing the the, the security yeah. agency here. You know, so you better be the best character in the movie, just unflappable. Um, you know, completely without self doubt. Mm. Yeah, just and also miraculous at healing people. So <laughs> it does also pl- uh, play into orientalist tropes oh, as well okay. because she's she also you know has the best poisons from ancient chinese of course recipes. she does of course she does i'm sure that modern chinese um security agents are all very familiar with that and how to kill someone with acupuncture <laughs> so <laughs> yep 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 <laughs> and then in the lead we have jessica chastain and i'm worried yeah. about chastain um she oh seems me too to have... she seems sad uh, well, have you noticed she seems sad. She hasn't been my calls. she hasn't been and i'm very worried about that because you guys were like that we but she seems to have settled into playing the same sort of self-satisfied hard ass mm. in everything lately, taking the Tom Cruise route. Uh. Um, and she's better than that. She's more talented than mm. Simon Kinsberg deserves. And, <laughs> you know, I have high hopes for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is coming up, and The Good Nurse, oh, yeah. which they both look good. So fingers crossed for old old Chazers, as, as she likes to be called. Yep. That's, <laughs> what, it says, that's what it says on her half of the um, friendship charm. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Chaz's Chastain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we have the action. And you've got to have some good action in an otherwise yep. bland action movie, right? Is it good? Good shots. Uh, there's some good shots, but otherwise very little to get the blood yeah. pumping. Um, in particular, I became very aware of the computer-generated gunfire. Oh. You know, you just... You get the actor to point their gun and then you fire it with the computer, adding mm. muzzle flare, recoil, shell ejection, and really egregiously smoke. There's lots of little okay. fake little clouds of smoke that come out and then disappear a second later. Right. Um, and it's very distracting when the choreography of the fight is rubbish, as it is here. Right. Um, yeah. Again, I, I save my one star for something that truly pisses me off, and this this isn't getting that. So it can it can live with two, the same as Belfast. <laughs> <laughs> as nourishing cinematically, I found. Oh, okay. <laughs> so It's just a very bland Borna like There used to be oh. a lot more movies like this. There used to be loads of sort of generic sort of you know yeah. she's tracing the call kind of yeah. high tech thrillers and it's kind of a throwback to that and it's it's unfortunately yeah. not good enough to there, put any life into it are there any fun twists and turns and or is it <sighs> predictable? yes there's there is. one there's one bit mm. <laughs> there's, i don't oh i'll spoil this kind of only a little bit mm-hmm. there's a bit where it kind of looks like the chinese might be the bad guys but of course they're not of course Come on, no, Jen. No. of course it was a misunderstanding <laughs> Uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> it's literally at the expense of the CIA. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice that we live in states where you can have an MI6 agent who's a rogue and a bastard. Yeah. And you know, make a movie in America that completely criticizes their entire intelligence yeah, intelligence systems. Nice. You won't get military approval and get to use any of their tanks, but you can make Mi- your own tanks. Or... <laughs> you can just. You literally can just buy military vehicles. You can just buy military just buy vehicles. Buy some old or ones. Go to. Go to a South American country and they'll just let you use their tanks. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Movies have been doing this for ages, yeah. but yeah. But you you don't get to do that in China. So, hey, yeah. oh, get well. to enjoy those little, just those little civil liberties you take yeah, for granted. that's true. 
it's true. We're not going to be able to put this podcast in China now. No. No. There go my hopes and dreams. It's not I like can't speak Utopia. Spanish. Can't be a cat person. I can't release my podcast <laughs> in China. Who said you can't be a cat person? You got the R's. Oh, no, you got the true. R's for it. I've got the R's for it. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise you'd noticed. <laughs> Everybody talks about your R's. My R's. I, I worked really hard on my oh. R's for years. <laughs> I've really let my R's go. <laughs> <laughs> you've, really, you've really got to train it, you know? Train it every day. Oh, Listen, oh God, listen to Spanish music and just train along. <laughs> I think it's fair enough us criticizing China as we live in our Google-sponsored utopia. Oh yeah, over here. <laughs> oh yeah, not perfect. Not saying that. Not perfect. <laughs> lots of problems, but lots of oh, loads of problems. Lots of problems, but you are allowed to criticize the government openly and freely. Yeah, just nobody listens, including That's the thing in your China films. needs to learn. Let your people criticize you all you want. Then just don't do anything about it, the Boris Johnson way. Yeah. Just make sure you don't throw a party when everyone else was not allowed to throw parties. You'll be fine. Fuck it, do that. And then just say you didn't know you were supposed to not do that. Yeah, everything else is fine, though. He's even getting away with this at the moment, it seems. Yeah. You see, a free media does nothing. (laughs) It only did stuff whilst politicians force it would. Anyway, we're getting too political. Mm. (laughs) This is about Let's move on to our our final film. It's definitely not political. Uh Uh-huh. I finally got round to seeing The King's Man. The King's Man. The King's Man. Um, and I do feel really guilty having this um, in the same week that I slated Belfast, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> the premise is that a mm. very rich and literally entitled man, mm. uh, played by Ray Fiennes uh-huh. and his young son, resist the call of becoming involved in World War One, but end up becoming involved in World War One. Oh, as you and, do. Uh, the movie offers a Looney Tunes retelling of the events of the First World War, which at first did make me feel a bit uncomfortable because yeah. it it moves around a lot and it's hard to pin down. But essentially, they place responsibility for the war not on European superpowers or mm. the imperialism that sort of grew and grew and grew and, you know, drove most of 19th century policy and inevitably resulted mm. in a global conflict. But instead, first of all, to the immaturity of the three kings of Britain, Germany and Russia. So, okay. you know, there's the, the Tsar, the Kaiser and the King, mm-hmm. um, who I didn't notice are all played by Tom Hollander, which is great. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's really fun. I really like Tom Hollander and he does a good job of playing cartoon characters, which is what they are. Fun. And they're depicted as bickering children, except for King George, of course. He was great. Oh, yeah. And yeah, he, he did everything he could. Mm. to avoid war but um oh well secondly the war is the fault of a shadowy cabal of conspirators who do things like seduce the president of the united states and then blackmail him to prevent uh the americans from entering the war that's why they didn't get into the war right. soon because, that does um, make sense a secret agent had blackmail material and or, or they'll send rasputin to russia in order to seduce the royal family of russia which includes a scene of him dripping opium into their mouths as they try and lap at his crucifix shaped uh, syringe right so okay it's not, it's, 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 this very much like take, belfast it's not subtle no taking a few liberties and just when you're pondering the politics of this shift the leader of the cabal is revealed to be an angry glaswegian who wants the war to happen as revenge against the english for their treatments of treatment of scotland well i gave you an order rasputin I oh, don't take kindly to failure. <laughs> oh. it's... Well, so five stars. <laughs> if, and just as you're worried, uh, as I'm worrying about the lack of sort of imperialist factors in the war, which mm. sounds ridiculous already yeah. that I'm still worried. 
finds reveals that he's a pacifist because he got sick of British imperialism. And it's like, okay, a bit of lip service there. But yeah. also the movie begins with the British invention of concentration camps in South Africa okay. and falls well short of condemning those in oh, charge of that no. happening. <laughs> Basically saying, well, it had to happen, but the Red Cross is here. Great. Oh no, the Boers are attacking. Those are the real bad guys. <laughs> oh, this this was all a necessity of war. What are we doing here again? Never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's, yeah, the movie's attitude is broadly war is bad, but good men, you know, there are good men in it at all levels, right to the top. You okay. know, it's not lions led by lambs. You know, yeah. it's, they're all, they're all lions and lambs, but right. there's a the awful Glaswegian guy is the true enemy here. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. So it's very silly. And okay. I think the key to this movie's approach to history actually lies in the mid credit scene. Right. Which I missed. I had oh. to rush out to go see Parallel Mothers, so <laughs> I left as soon as the credits fell. Right. Um, I went home and read about it, and reading about it, suddenly I was like, oh shit, if you had found a way to put something like this in earlier, mm. I would not have spent a single second of this movie worrying about any of its politics or history or anything like that, because I would have known this was ridiculous. Okay. If you're willing, I would like to tell you what happens in the post-credits sequence. Oh yes, sequence. I would like to and- hear no one else wants to hear then you just skip forward no, wait. a bit no i'll i'll edit it out of the podcast oh, this time okay. i promise great, 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 i'll great, do great. that <laughs> well he's he's promised he's i have promised, promised. I, I swear to god i'll go back this time and do that if uh if if, if you're still hearing this listeners <laughs> you get to throw tomatoes at him next time you yeah. see him throw tomatoes at your podcatcher mm. and that'll resolve itself so That's great. Yeah, that is. That's really good. That's really silly. <laughs> it clearly demonstrates what the, that this what this film is is it's a film that wants to use the characters of history like a comic book adaptation. Yeah. It just wants to see who was about when and just put these characters together as if they were adapting Batman. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's yeah. that interested in being authentic and uh, it's not without issue because the film is tonally all over the goddamn okay. place. <laughs> Um, there's a stretch of the film where it does 1917 and it does seem to want to say that war is hell yeah. and that the first world war was terrible, but for the most part, it's really good fun. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you, have to, you have to suspend any effort to try and make sense of the ideology of the film and just enjoy the ride because it is a ride. It's funny. Right. The action is great. Okay. You know, I saw this straight after the 355 and it was such a relief that there are sequences uh-huh. that's like, oh, this looks good and it's exciting. That's <laughs> what action should be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are action beats in there that have really stuck with me and just make me excited to remember. An image of Ray Fiennes tumbling down from the sky on the right side of the screen whilst his aeroplane uh, tumbles down at the same speed on the left side. <laughs> it's like a Wes Anderson image. Okay. It's just really <laughs> playful and fun. Yeah. Speaking of him, Ray Fiennes is great in it. Yeah. Reese Iffens as Rasputin Ooh. is... If every character were played like this, it would have made the film a lot more palatable, I think, because okay. he steals the goddamn movie. Before I went to see it, we both wondered if it would feature that scene. Yes, there's always one. Each of the previous two Kingsman movies, um, there's a bit where it does some uncomfortable sex stuff. For absolutely no real reason. <laughs> I don't no understand reason. why. I guess it's a In... comic book. I don't know. I like Ugh. comic books, but I've got to assume this came like... Oh, God, this is just I have no idea. I don't know. In Kingsman 1, it's the princess offering anal sex in exchange for yeah. saving her. In the second one, it's a spy operation in which our hero must insert a tracking device into a female operative vaginally. 
It makes um, absolutely no sense. No sense whatsoever. And yes, we do have we we have that scene here, and it's so obvious as soon as it begins that oh okay, this is that scene. Uh huh. They must go out of their way to put that scene in the movie because our two so leads, Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, and Harris Dickinson playing his son, uh-huh. want to kill Rasputin and decide that the best way to do that and get him on his own is that they're going to seduce him. Okay. Rasputin. And it's right. interesting. Ra <laughs> Ra Rasputin. Um, it's definitely playing homoeroticism for laughs, uh, which is un- unpleasant. But also... <laughs> You've seen the poster, though. You know that it's Rasputin, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> I guess, it, I guess. <laughs> I think it crosses the line twice of just, oh, this has gone too far. And then Back into... even fu- it, it goes even further and the joke stops being, isn't homoeroticism funny? But rather, isn't it funny how far the filmmakers are willing to go with this? To seduce. Isn't seducing Rasputin <laughs> funny? <laughs> yes. <laughs> isn't the fact that Rasputin is this despicable and this over the top... Uh-huh. And that we've legitimately sort of presented this isn't that funny. Okay. And that's a different kind of thing. So okay. it's still weird. Yeah. Just like the other two. It's odd that it's here. But yeah. No, it's just a weird thing to keep doing. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's very, I guess, uh, well, you know, once it happens, two times, you're like, mm, chance. Three times, they're definitely doing this on purpose, right? There's definitely... Yeah, they're doing it on purpose. Like, weird bit of provocateurism, but. I don't know. So I I did enjoy the movie. It's very dumb. Okay. But I appreciated how good the action and the spirit of the adventure was, especially in the wake of the 355 and the Matrix Resurrections. Okay, fun. See, this is how you can make action feel modern, but still engaging. And Matthew Vaughn's always been very good at that. Mm. So I think it's a three star, this one. It's one more than Belfast. Fuck sure. everyone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Great. Oh, God. Good. Yeah, three stars. Cool. I think that's just about going to do it for this week in film. Some delights there. I would watch The Kingsman because um, I just like people. Yeah, I think it would be fun. I enjoy a silly action film, and I have enjoyed the other Kingsman films, with the exception of the one scene that never makes any sense. Yeah, Uh, or it's just a bit dodgy. I'll tell you this: this is the best of those. Oh, like this scene is the best yes. and it's okay, the one I would yeah. least likely just skip past on watching it sure. because if you did you would miss out on some of Reese Siffin's business and <laughs> he and Ralph business, Fiennes mean... <laughs> just amazing just, just Rasputin yeah. tenderly massaging Ralph Fiennes' leg okay, that's is quite, uh, yeah. a sight that will stick with me for a while okay yeah I'd probably watch that 355 I'd never even heard of maybe yeah. whatever you know again yeah. less yeah. less keen Parallel Mothers I'd watch. Souvenir Part 2? I'd have to watch Souvenir Part 1 first, I think. Yes. It's, well, it's going to make a great double feature, I think. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's I think that's your lot. Cool. <laughs> you Fair might enough. like Memoria. Yeah. 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 You'll drag me to a yeah. cinema to see it one day. Yeah. I, yeah. We're, we're going next week. Okay. Great. <laughs> I need to get you to watch Licorice Pizza first. I might actually... Um, mm. I think Jack, well, my housemate, was... Um, trying to convince his friends he asked me what's good hours mm. and i said well um i haven't seen it yet but the new gail del toro opens today um you know uh, and uh also licorice pizza's still out and his friends were like he came back to me and said okay i've spoken to my friends it's gonna be the matrix <laughs> oh no <laughs> no so don't I ask promised me. him. Don't ask I me know. and then ignore me. I, I know. said, not the Matrix. <laughs> he said, anything but the Matrix. <laughs> but the Matrix. I kind of wanted to see oh. the Matrix now so that it could just come back and I could say, I fucking told you. I told you so. But 
I might as a treat. Uh, it's, it's a sort of. It wasn't really his fault. His mate sort of uh, insisted. Uh, um, get new mates. Just yeah, say, get no, new mates. we're done. As soon as your friends say, as soon as you suggest way, two good films, and then they immediately reply with, "What about the Matrix?" You yeah. just drop your phone, delete their contacts, <laughs> say, just ghost them from yeah. then on. They'll get yeah, it. They'll understand absolutely. why. So anyway, they'll learn. So I may take him to Licorice Pizza as a sort of, cool. you know, this is what cinema can be. Yes. The wonder, the beautiful <gasps> nature of the whole thing. I've only ever watched Wait. Matrix films. <laughs> <laughs> I thought those were absorbing, but now I'm actually in 70s LA running away from Bradley Cooper. <laughs> That's right. Yep. It's a whole world. <laughs> I'll tell you what else has been released this week. Today, I don't know if this is continuing on, but today there are screenings across the country of Men in Black, the original. Oh. Not odd? Yeah. Why? It's quite good. Well, I don't know. It's not an anniversary of any... Oh. Yes, it is. 25 years. Oh. What? 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 <laughs> Sorry, what? Come again. <laughs> oh, yes. 25 years. And... I love the, the oh, original yeah. Men in Black. I think it's superb. I don't know if it gets enough credit as being essentially my generation's Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess it is, I, isn't it? I think it is. It's a high concept. It's character driven. I love the performances of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. I think they're great together. Mm, um, yeah. It's very funny, very well written. And it's a Barry Sonnenfield film. Yeah. And people forget the fact that Barry Sonnenfield made fairly good films in the 90s. He made the live action Adams Family movie. Uh-huh, yep. Which I love. Um, and he made The Mummy, ah, 1999. Yeah. The Mummy. Great film. You know, culture, hey, it left an impact. Yeah, that's and that was Vincent D'Onofrio playing that role. Mm. Yeah, he's good stuff. That He's amazing as Edgar. Yeah. That's, yeah, <laughs> what a great character. You can kill us, but you can't find, you won't be able to find the galaxy. Oh, you're right about one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ignore all those film recommendations and just go watch Men in yeah, Black. Yeah, go watch Men in Black. Yeah. yeah. Good film. Absolutely. Good film. Alma Devar is at home just nodding his head solemnly. Yes. Ah. Alas. Yes. Claro. 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 <laughs> Penelope Cruz, get out of here. He chases her out of a newspaper. That's why he has to keep putting her in his films. She's just there. It's just like, about. It's easier to film around her. That film was originally just called One Mother in a Straight Line. And then Penelope <laughs> Cruz turned up and insisted she was in it. And now you're like, well, now there's two. Oh, actually, this makes quite good sense. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Jen and the Film Critic. This is a podcast from Screen Mayhem. I was your host, Jen Blundell, and with me was my critic, my film critic, Paul Salt. Say bye, Paul. Bye, Paul. Our theme music was by Jacob Blundell. If you got... Ciao, Paolo. Ciao, Paolo. <laughs> claro. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, send us an email at filmcriticpodcast at gmail.com or you can message us on social media at Screen Mayhem. Um, Paul writes more film reviews in written format so you can take the words in at your leisure and they're on screenmayhem.com and if you'd like to leave us a review somewhere that would also be great because mm. you know it helps us out give us a couple helps of little stars out. actually five would be great oh, on. give us as five many. of them would be amazing yeah. we're, we're better than Belfast we're better come than on. Belfast come on 
Give us parallel in every sense. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm coming for the city. I'd love to go to Belfast. Yeah, I bet it's great. Yeah. Yeah, give us a little review um, and yeah. listen to us next time, whenever that is. Yeah. <laughs> Keep watching the skies. Look, look for my signal. Look in the morning, look to the east for my and I'm com- <laughs> my coming. Jen's back. <laughs> I said ciao, what's the Spanish for bye? Every- ciao's universal. It's universal. Yeah. Everybody says it. You can say adios. Adios. Adios, amigos. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>